Hello and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy and I will be your host for today's episode. On today's episode, we are discussing culture's obsession with glorifying evil. As Halloween is right around the corner, many people got a lot of thoughts about the decorations, the movies, the TV shows, and all around what really seems to be a dark time made to be fun. Well, on this week's episode, we are not going to cherry pick people's decisions about how they celebrate Halloween, but we are going to take a deeper look at why, as a culture, we love to glorify evil. But before we get into that, I want to let you know about an event we got coming up on November 4th. Identity Crisis, Sexuality, Gender, and Why Humans Exist. In partnership with Midtown Church, Apologetics Canada will be addressing some critical issues. Join us for an evening of thought-provoking dialogue and an opportunity to work through one of the most controversial topics in our current cultural climate. This event will be held in Vancouver, British Columbia at Midtown Church. The event is free, so we hope to see you there. Now for the episode. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the AC Podcast. I'm excited to say that the whole team is here, but we are within arm's reach, live and on location at Sasquatch Mountain in... Sasquatch Mountain, I guess. It's the green giant. Um, uh, we're actually all together because we are finishing the last day of our staff retreat off the back of our launch event. So by the time you're hearing this, it's been about two weeks since that event. But uh, we we always wanted to take the opportunity. We wanted to make sure we took the opportunity to record a podcast all together because it is a, a really special time. It's becoming a bit of a tradition where either on our staff board retreat or when we're at ETS, it's it's one of the few times that we get a a live podcast together. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, too, it's a it's a real challenge Zoom podcasting. It is, yeah. There's a lot of social. There's a lot of cues that you make in person when you know when somebody's going to talk that just doesn't translate virtually. I don't think a lot of people realize that we're not even in the same province. We do a pretty good job at splicing it together, which has nothing to do with any skills I possess. <laughs> I think. Yeah, you have a podcast that's happening in British Columbia, Alberta, and Ontario. Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. Simultaneously. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, we're all here and uh, we're going to talk about something today. What are we talking about? Yeah. Today, we wanted to get into talking about the glorification of evil. Uh, as we mentioned, we're, we are recording this two weeks earlier, but. By the time this comes out, Halloween is right around the corner. And I mean, there's there's tons to be said about that. But instead of doing a deep dive into the history of Halloween, we just wanted to talk about uh, society's obsession with evil. I mean, you see it in movies, you see it in, in books and literature and different things like that. But I know there's been a few Netflix series and movies and different things that have come out recently that have really made us wonder uh, where are things going, even though these things are not new. Do you guys, do you guys remember when you were younger and you would, I don't know if you remember these things or if you had these. You were younger. Yeah. While ago. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, Wes, the blessing that he is told me that, uh, my hairline is like his father. He hasn't seen either since 2006. <sighs> <laughs> and then he said, no, no, I'm just, I'm just joking. I've, I've seen my dad. <laughs> deep hurt deep hurt we're also healing wounds today <laughs> you know what Wes you're a jerk no I was kidding and plus 2006 that's generous so I appreciate that the Lord has smitten my voice because of my pestilence <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just remember being young 
where you know you had these friends or their their moms or whatever who are like oh you can't watch that that's evil and you know it's kind of like everything's evil and if if there's any sorcery witchcraft at all you know this kind of blanket you know that that's evil don't don't watch that sort of thing and so it's kind of been interesting because i almost kind of developed a bit of a callus to that where i'm like well come on it seems Mm -hmm. like you're being you know ridiculous or hypersensitive but we're, it's it's we've really reached this kind of boiling point, haven't we? Where what we once thought was, you know, make sure you're not being, you know, overly sensitive, has kind of <laughs> gone into the extreme where now everybody's like, or at least we're, you know, here we are talking on, mm-hmm. hey, uh, actually, this seems to have gotten uh, out of control. That like this is this is a serious topic uh, of evil. Where and I've, we've brought this up before. Where in the past it was almost like Satan was kind of or demonic forces was one of those things that was almost taboo to talk about like mm-hmm. come on you know demons you know yeah. you know you're are you one of those people that see a demon behind every bush you're being hyper spiritual yeah 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 but now you know we're we're at this moment where we're saying man the demonic used to be this thing that kind of happened in the shadows but that's not the case anymore this is mm-hmm. this is becoming mainstream and popular yeah in um cs lewis in his introduction to the screw tape letters, right? He talks about the two extreme mistakes that mm-hmm. you can make. One being giving too much credit to the demons and seeing the demon behind every bush. And the other equally um, bad mistake is to not give them any credit at all. And I think in our modern society, right? Especially in the West after, you know, this kind of post enlightenment kind of a, an era we really we were on the side of not giving demons enough credit and i think it's I, it seems to me like it's something of a swing back to but uh, interestingly on that note steve did i don't know if you saw this with uh, cs lewis's testimony but before he came to faith he was actually quite drawn to the the I'm trying to think of how he would have said it i don't think he would have said the demonic but he definitely would have said you know you know witchcraft yeah. or yeah, it, it's interesting you say that because I remember when I was probably in my early 20s and I was really coming into recognizing not only my faith, but that there's also principalities and spiritual things in this world that are always running rampant and trying to ensnare us and, you know, can affect certain situations to a certain degree. I, I was so naturally drawn to that and I wanted to know more about it. I, I was sharing with the guys just the other e- the other evening in our in our hot tub testimonies <laughs> where uh i used to i used to watch like the you know the exorcism movies and the paranormal activities just simply because they really interest me because i'm like well i believe they're real but there definitely is is a line there and i didn't necessarily have anyone to walk me through that for a long period of time until i shared with a pastor and he was like hey man uh why are you so focused on the quote unquote darker side of Christianity and why isn't Jesus enough? And that actually really shifted my attention back to realizing how dangerous that could be because that leads that could lead you into discover you know wanting to search out the occult. Well, I think even the um, the like more uh, materialistic perceptions of our culture, we're still very superstitious. Mm. Like there's still these subtle superstitions that exist within our society, even especially with things like sports. That mm-hmm. like that is very un if you want to call it quote unquote rationalistic i i i see it as different forms of animalism hmm. because and that's one of the things that actually w- was really key for me as i studied different world religions is to appreciate you don't, you're not going to find a pure 
you know, religion, you're always going to see a mixture. Mm. And, and I, I think what you're saying uh, is even true, you know, with, you know, nations that have been historically Christian nations that they'll, they'll even have their own kind of form of, uh, spiritism or animism that they've kind of adopted into it. Is, is that what you're kind of getting at just culturally that those are just parts of our, of yeah. our society? I think that's even a step up from what I'm talking about. Even things like, like, uh, when the Toronto Raptors won the NBA finals, a buddy of mine, I shouldn't say buddy of mine, someone I know, maybe he's listening and he's like, I am your buddy Wes. <laughs> I don't know Wes and buddy. He wore the same outfit every time the Raptors played after that. Because he was like, well, you know, any, anything to help them win. Where it's like, what, mm. what do you think is happening there? Like, obviously they think something is happening that's outside of the simply naturalistic physical realm. Well, I mean, in horoscopes, those sorts of things have really never gone away. The, yeah. the tarot cards and the, and the right. like. That's, I mean, and you just drive down the street and you don't have to go too far to find somebody advertising that they'll, you know, tell your future, read your palm or, or something. Yeah. yeah. And there is that fascination with, the paranormal and those kinds of things that gets heightened when there is some, when you get closer to mortality. So I remember watching Black Hawk Down, right? And there is a scene where, I mean, if you don't know that story, it's about uh, the Black Hawk choppers that got shot down in Somalia, right? And there's the rescue operation that happened after that. And the whole operation was a disaster. And you can kind of see as the soldiers are getting ready, getting prepared to go out, you know, they're putting their, you know, armors on and all that kind of stuff. But there are certain things that they won't do. Like, for example, puts a, like a will, right, in his pocket or whatever. And another guy says, oh, no, that's bad luck, right? Like, and those kinds of things. And I remember a friend of mine watching this with me who was in the military. He's like, yeah, soldiers are really, like, they're a really superstitious bunch. And I think there is something to that when you are coming closer to your own mortality, there is a kind of an increased fascination with the occult or anything spiritual kinds of things. You know, one of the verses that I often think about when I'm, I'm thinking about demonic, you know, things and what, you know, what, you know, what, what am I choosing to participate in? And that's something that we want to get into today because this is a, this is becoming a real topic in our culture. It's a, it's a, it's an issue when with whether it be various TV shows, movies, and the like, and we'll get into that in a moment. But First um, Corinthians uh, chapter ten, starting in verse fourteen, uh, the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth says, "Therefore, my my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. I, I love that. I think even back then, it's like, listen, listen. I'm not I'm not trying to be one of those crazy people, right? I'm speaking to sensible people." Judge for yourself what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we uh, all share that one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. And I, I think that's so interesting, right? Like, like, is this a God? Paul's saying, no, it's not. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participating with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have 
a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons? Are you trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? I, I, you got to consider, you know, what you're participating in. And I can't help but think, man, with what's going on in today's culture, that 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 verse just constantly is on my mind. What what who am I having dinner with? <laughs> what are what are some ways that we participate with with demons? I think sometimes they can be quite you know extreme, of course, in the uh, occult uh, and and witchcraft. But now notice even there, I'll say, oh, like the extreme, but you know the occult and witchcraft has really. Uh, been softened and you know taken on different names in you know and instead of you know witchcraft uh, you know you get Wicca and those sorts of things and it kind of gets sold to you in a less extreme version. Well, and that's where last night we we're talking about this, and I mentioned that Vanessa Hudgens, who is the actress, the Disney actress from um, things like High School, High School Musical, Musical. Uh, yeah, she uh, is coming out with a, a new movie that kind of highlights some of her journey through the occult. And there's an article from three days ago on Faithwire that says, Doing Little Spells, Vanessa Hudgens Embraces Witchcraft, Film Reveals Journey into Supernatural Realm. And I think there's almost like a uh, an interest in that, but also kind of a downplaying of like, oh yeah, you know, that's not that big of a deal to just kind of dabble in those kinds of practices. Well, and I, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know about you guys, but I see two things happening here. I think on the one hand, what we're seeing is a reaction to a culture of scientific naturalism that we are seeing this pendulum swing far to the other extreme towards supernaturalism and people wanting to embrace that the world's just not physical, that there's more than the physical going on and, and their, their desire to participate in that. I think part of that is just our uh, cultural shifts from modernism to postmodernism kind of a thing, right? I mean, yeah, postmodernism is really extension of modernism. I get that. But the idea is that there was a certain kind of attitude, say, you know, in the Enlightenment and, you know, a little bit after that where, you know, there was this sort of, this almost arrogant confidence that science could discover all truth. And there were very dogmatic assertions about the world through scientific terms. I mean, you read, you know, some of these uh, older guys like, you know, Freud and Marx and whoever, like, especially ones that were like really scientifically scientifically oriented, their tone is very, very confident. Like they've got this figured out. And of course, like Freud's theories have all been kind of debunked kind of a thing, but there was that kind of confidence. As we move more into the postmodern side of things, people started questioning all of that, right? These dogmatic assertions, whether they're religious or scientific. And so scientific naturalism starts to lose a little bit of that hold, right? So then what rises up, that, uh, that pulse of you know, supernatural, all things supernatural starts to come back and you see proliferation of Wicca and witchcraft and bunch of other things. Well, I think even more recent than that, I think part of this, of what we're seeing in our lifetime is the chickens coming home to roost of the new atheists. Because I think the new atheists- What do you mean? What do you- so the new atheists were so extreme in that this religious superstitious stuff, well, that's just dumb. 
it's it's backwards, it's stupid. And you had a lot of people who gra- grabbed onto this because there was uh, a very kind of intellectual air about it. Mm. But at the exact same time, I think those people, as they grew up and as they matured, realized that if you're continually telling yourself that you're just a product of time plus matter plus chance and you have no intrinsic value, that really doesn't encourage you to do things mm. or right. be something, right? I yeah. once um, was participating in this event at the University of Toronto and uh, there was this talk that was given by a scientist, a Christian scientist on you know a science and faith and how they correspond. And I started talking to the student afterwards who was doing pre-med at the University of Toronto. And as we talked, he said, you know, I understand that my professors are continually telling me in the textbooks and in the lectures that I'm just the end result of this long process of a natural selection in order to propagate my selfish DNA. But then, Wes, they also tell me to have goals and purpose and, you know, shoot for the stars, be the best mean. He's like, I know that doesn't totally add up. <laughs> and he was wrestling with this question. And I think as people kind of matured on from the new atheism, they realized that really doesn't give me any meaning and I need to look outside of that. Yeah. And I think part of that is this interest in the supernatural that they're 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 looking for something that has a foundation, which they're only going to fight in Christ. But the popularity of the new age of uh, things like Wicca and crystals and transcendental meditation, like this is what the culture is telling them will give them purpose and meaning if they manifest these things. Well, and I think that's mm. an in- interesting question because one of the things you got to ask yourself is what is the interest there? What are they worshiping? What are they participating in? Are they actually worshiping demons? Are they, are they celebrating Satan? Like, how would, how would you guys answer that? You know, what is Wicca? What is the occult? Like, what, what are they participating in? I, I think, I think they're, in a lot of situations, I think people are unbeknownst to themselves, at least to the beginning, like I was saying a little bit earlier, they're, they want, people are always like wanting to discover their own power, their own capabilities. And I believe it's a, there is an innate obsession with power and our own free will that, led us to sin in the first place, right? Like this started in the garden. Curiosity of power and the ability to know good and evil, man, that would, that's pretty cool. There's a certain kind of, um, I guess, I keep using the word pulse, but when we watch certain superhero movies or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Sometimes we want to live vicariously through that. Absolutely. Like what if I was like the Hulk? What if I was like Captain America? Or what if I was like Batman and those kinds of things? And there's something really attractive about like things like uh, if you watch movies that have to do with witchcraft, for example, often these people are just very ordinary people. Like mm. I remember something uh, a little bit more innocent might be something like, you know, Sabrina, the teenage witch. But you watch that show. It's very kind of a normal everyday setting, a normal girl, except there's this twist. She's mm. a witch, right? And she talks to the black cat and all that kind of stuff. It's the mystery of their yeah. humanity. Yeah. But that, that kind of a normal setting like gives you, I think it's indicative of the fact that we want to be like that, mm. right? What if I had that power? Yeah. I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right because that's ultimately where all of this leads is this extreme individualism. 
in which you're the one that's in control. I think that's one of the reasons why we love money so much. Mm. Is money is just a different form of power. It's a way that I can take care key. of myself. I don't need anybody. I'm self-sufficient, yeah. right? And, and, and whatnot. And I, isn't it interesting, though, if we compare two garden narratives of temptation, right? We see the serpent that's tempting Eve and Adam. It's not like the serpent saying, hey, bow your knee to me. Hey, why don't you worship me? Not worship God. Why don't you, why don't you worship me? It, I think it begins by saying, hey, why don't, you know, it starts to question the character of God. Does God really know what he's talking about? Yeah. Like, is he actually good? Because maybe, maybe you should be trusting you. It's that curiosity. Yeah. Right. But then I think it's interesting because when Satan tempts Jesus in it, in the wilderness, right? Like now God's in the, in the, in the, uh, the garden, but it's not the best of circumstances now, right? Yeah. It's the worst of circumstances, but now it has changed, right? Now it's, why don't you bow your knee to me, you know, Jesus, mm. and, and I'll, I'll give you power. I had a conversation, this was years ago in high school with a friend of mine, and he was asking about, uh, you know, the, I, I think it, it started with a conversation of some of these heavy metal bands, you know, is that, are they Satanists and this kind of stuff? And he's like, well, what do you think of Satanism? And um, my answer at the time was that I think Satan doesn't necessarily want you to worship him. He wants you to worship yourself. Yeah, I so totally agree. The total yep. overt, like uh, Marilyn Manson, we worship Satan. Uh, I think that has a draw for some people, but I think Satanism and maybe even to a certain degree, demon possession is far more subtle in our culture and day in that if God can worship, if if Satan can get us to be preoccupied with worshiping ourselves or something other than God, he's going to do it because the end result is the same. Worship Satan directly or worship Satan via just being constantly distracted with other yeah. things. And I think that that's what Paul's getting at, though. It's mm -hmm. like either you're eating at the table with, with the Lord or, or it's at the table with demons. You might think it's just you, but, it, but it's not. Yeah. I think the biblical view of the world is that there are two cosmic forces that are interested in your life, mm. right? So there, and if you say, you know, in our day and age, right? If you say, well, I don't bow down to either of these. I, I'm, I'm just going to do me, right? You've already gone over to the dark side because that is exactly yeah. the nature of the fall is I'm going to take charge of my own life. Yeah. This is the genesis of, of evil. Right. And, and that, I mean, in a sense, right, you doing you is a good thing. It's just that in the case of the fall in Genesis, you were trying to define the boundaries of what it meant to be you. Whereas, you know, on the other hand, you know, God created you in a certain way, right, to live in right relationship with him and with one another. If you could do you as God created you, and that, that would be a good thing. But the problem was, I'm going to take charge. I'm going to define what it means to be me. Well, I, you're getting at a really important point, Steve. It's, it's when we make something the ultimate thing. That's when we make it into an idol. It becomes idolatry. Uh, we, we worship that thing. Like, I mean, going to college it, it can be a good thing, but it also can be an idolatrous thing, right? If I'm trying to define myself by my education and the certificates I got on my wall sort of thing, well, now that, that starts to, I, I'm using that to define me. Whereas if my... If I'm being defined by God in my relationship with God, well, go to college sort of thing, right? Get degrees or whatever. But it's not because you're trying to find yourself in those things. It's because you've already been found. And they, they, then they take on a different form. They're not, it's not something you're worshiping. 
You mentioned mm. the screw tape letters earlier on, uh, Steve. And there's this really cool scene in the screw tape letters where C.S. Lewis describes the setting of the the demon wormwood. He's standing at the end of the bed. For those of the listeners who don't know, uh, the screw tape letters is this fiction narrative of this demon who's kind of being mentored by his uncle demon to lead astray this individual, this, this human who he's responsible for. And the scene is that his human is sleeping. He's standing at the end of the bed and he's rehearsing what he's going to do when he shows himself to him. Mm. And his uncle shows up and is like, hey, what are you doing? And he explains it to him and he goes, no, 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 don't do that. Because if you open him up to knowing that you exist, you open him up to the supernatural and that just gives way to him potentially believing in God. Yeah. And I think what Lewis is highlighting there is that you know, the, the devil is not dumb and he knows how our society is kind of the presuppositions in the mind of our societies operates. And this is why I think when I go to uh, places like uh, the Middle East or Asia, there's a lot more of a concept of the supernatural and things like demons. And I think Satan distracts them by manifesting those things in a very tangible way. Mm. But in the West, we explain those things away because we still have those lingering ideas of post-enlightenment that, you know, well, you know, uh, maybe I saw a demon or maybe I ate some bad pizza and it was a night terror, you know, right, those right. kind of things. And so what Lewis is getting at there is that the demons know that they know how they can lead you astray yeah. and they know that in the West opening up to the supernatural may or may not be the best Avenue. Although I think it's even changing. that's kind of changed from Lewis's day. And I think uh, talking about the devil being really subtle. I mean, earlier we were talking about how, you know, we worship ourselves, those kinds of things. And I know for a fact that a lot of say atheists or, um, uh, others will object to that. We don't worship ourselves. Um, I know mm. we use that word, but worship of yourself may not exactly look like what you th think it might look like, right? It doesn't necessarily involve a temple and, and making offerings and those kinds of things. It, uh, the fundamental root of it is in your attitude about yourself or your attitude about, like what you were saying earlier about taking something that's finite and trying to make it the ultimate thing and how that's idolatry it's very similar when i mean when we think idolatry right we think golden calf especially for those of us who grew up in in the church you know golden calf or maybe like the you know um a statue of of satan or something like that i was like no like that's that's not all that idolatry involves idolatry comes in really subtle ways that happens in an unfortunately everyday kind of a way. And worship of yourself, which is another form of idolatry, can happen just like that. In, in the things that you don't necessarily think of it as like, this isn't worship, but really you're, again, taking the finite thing, trying to make it the ultimate thing. Well, if you think about worship, it's, it's what you give your time, tre time, treasure, and attention to, right? And, and so, you know, like, for example, the, this Jeffrey Dahmer, series is out on netflix and there's there's a lot coming out just about our society as a whole because of this but it was one of the reasons we you know uh, we really wanted to talk about this is because you got people on the internet that whether they're serious or not are making jokes or making claims of well jeffrey Dahmer was just trying to figure himself out he was just trying to 
you know, and it wasn't that bad, but it's we. But there's the other side of it where this case didn't happen that long ago. This is 1994. I was four years old, right? Like this is within my lifetime, within our lifetime. And you look at it and realizing that some of the victims, some of the people that were impacted, the families, they're still alive having to now watch this on their streaming service. Well, and, and think this is one of the things that's been bringing this up in the news, right? As people are asking, should we be making TV shows about yeah. this? Should, should we be glorifying, you know, this sort of evil and participating in, in these sorts of stories? And, and if you ask the average person is like, am I idolizing Jeffrey Dahmer? Well, I think the thing is, is people are absolutely obsessed with how does a, how does a person come to being like this? They want to know the mind. They want to know the details of it, you know? And it's kind of like, I remember uh, it's like high school lunchroom where someone's doing something really embarrassing and they're like, oh dude, don't look now. That poll is like, man, I gotta look. Well, I was was actually just thinking about this, Troy. Don't you guys think that there's a correlation here between like videos that they'll put up online when somebody gets shot or killed or some horrific thing takes place and they're like, you know, you'll get this thing going, hey, you know, viewer beware. Yeah. But then, you know, so many people want to want to watch that, you know, and I think you have to ask yourself, why? Why do I want to watch that? Is that not part of the glorification 100, of 100%. I think on the one hand, there is something innocent in the sense that when there is, say, you know, a car crash or, you know, something happens like a fire or something like that, you just naturally want to look. And part of it is just instinct, right? If there is a danger somewhere... You want to be able to look at it and be aware of it so you can get away from it. But then that can so easily, I mean, it's not too far from there that you can get into total fascination with it. Now you're like attaching yourself to what's going on and then being emotionally invested in it. And so that's one thing that I try to kind of keep in mind because, for example, you know, my wife and I, we watch a show called Criminal Minds. And if you don't know what that show is about, like it's it's basically mm-hmm. about an FBI team who are a bunch of um, psychoanalysts, and um, they they are tracking down sociopaths and psychopaths and what they're doing. Now it started off actually like pretty tame in some ways. Yeah, there there were a lot of darker kinds of things because you were talking about psychopath killers, but it was a, li- a little more indirect and Mm. now as we progress in the seasons like it's becoming more and more explicit in terms of like depicting dead bodies and things like this or like we're kind of struggling like do we want to go on with this and so i had to be clear right from the get-go if i'm watching something like this what am i watching for i'm not watching for the psycho killers i'm watching for you know the good triumphing over evil let's say but then it comes to a point where i'm just like there's way too much gore in here. I don't know yeah. if I feel comfortable watching this because in some ways I had a friend who watched 300, that movie, and he walked <laughs> away saying, it just basically felt like I just watched porn, but in violence. And he's just- Demonic porn. Yeah. And he's like, I, I can't. So because well, of his recommendation, I never did watch it. Well, it's like just to add like a show like Black Mirror. I remember watching two epi- two or three episodes and walking away like, Okay, this was way too realistic as well. Like as as eerie and as creepy as it was, someone thought this up. A group of people sat together and were like, "What if this happened? What if this happened?" And then when you they present it to you, and I think that's that's the dangers when your brain's like, "Oh, I could see this happening." That should be your first red flag. 
<laughs> there is something interesting about technology, though, in its ability to show our full capacity for evil. Yeah. Uh, that that is quite concerning. Well, uh, let me just take this in a different direction, if I can, in terms of pivoting and saying, okay, for the listener, how do they then proceed? We we've outlined all of these realities with our culture and this preoccupation. How does the average Christian then take these as opportunities to communicate to the world around us? Well, I'll take your question and I'll raise it with another question. <laughs> yes, I love this. Wow, what is this, an apologist? <laughs> Look him in the eye because <laughs> we're in person. Look him in the okay, eye. What do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, first of all, get, no, getting, can you define what you mean by question? Uh, <laughs> so, because I was thinking about this too, Wes, and, and I wanted to move in this direction because I think it raises an interesting question from with regards to apologetics is what, what does apologetics look like when you're seeing mm. this pendulum shift from, you know, naturalism to supernaturalism in a society that I think in many ways is reacting against that strong atheism that, that belittled and, you know, said you're an idiot for thinking that there's, you know, spiritual forces. And now you got people who are just really shifting hard into that in, in embracing that spiritual reality and was it what does it look like then to engage in in apologetics in that in that kind of culture from from yeah from a from a family member you know to a pastor you know mm. what what is this going to look like so let's, yeah let's bat that around i think the first thing is actually i just heard this from my mother-in-law who was at this um, she she makes pottery, and sometimes she'll go to different shows and things like that where she'll have a table out. And there was that one time when she went to this particular show, and the table right next to her, you know, there was a bunch of Wiccans, right? And they started talking. And what my mother-in-law told me was that they are very, very bitter about the church, right? They're very bitter about the church. And I hear that in that community, they make some really kind of empowering statements, things like, you know, we're the, we're the daughters of the witches that you couldn't burn, you know, that sort of a thing. And so there's a lot of bitterness towards the church and all things organized religion, you know, maybe with the exception of something like Buddhism, because Buddhism tends to be a little bit more, you know, private in, in some ways. And I think it's an important point, though, even on Satanism. But a lot of people think that it's worshiping Satan, but it's not. They're they're atheistic in in yeah. foundation, and that's that's also important to know because I think that is actually a reaction to religion. So so that means when you're approaching somebody, just throwing them a volley of apologetic arguments on the intellectual side could actually backfire. Like what I think the first posture you need to have is okay, tell me more. Like, what, what, what do you feel? And mind you, when it comes to the history of the church, um, it's a real mixed bag, right? I mean, Andy, you and me, we've done a session on, say, you know, science and religion, science and Christianity in particular, and how misinformed an average person can be. Um, so I think the first thing to do is actually listen and empathize and affirm what you can affirm. I'm going to take your point and raise it with another point. <laughs> what is this, an apologist? <laughs> no, I, uh, to push back on that though, Steve, I kind of think that there's a step prior to that, that we often miss. And that is, if we're going to engage in the spiritual realm, we need to make sure that we're first engaging in, in our relationship with the Lord, that prayer is an essential That's part right. yeah, of, of, 
Did I win that one? Yeah, you you He's won good. that one. I, I <laughs> concede. No, so it, it's good. It's so good because, like, I know we've we've referenced Screw Tape Letters again, but I I I actually got the like the audio books with Andy Circus, and he reads them, and it's fantastic. But one of the one of the things he says is like, "Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will, enemy being the Lord, will." Look around upon the universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and ask why he has been forsaken and still obeys. It's that the danger of blind, blindly, like blindly following the Lord as, as in, I don't really know if this is true, but it's kind of that just based on religion, you know, just, I don't actually trust God, but this is all I've ever known. And the danger of the danger of doing that. And so like Andy's saying is like, the first step is like, how do you see the Lord in your life? Like, who is he to you? Because Which table if, you eat at? Right. Because that, that's how you can kind of look like, where are your convictions at? You know, there's some I'll always say to people is like, you got to be careful. You don't make your personal convictions doctrine. Right. But there's a level of it too, where if, if I am absolutely certain that this should not be happening, it has to line up with my relationship with the Lord in, in accordance to the word of God. And if that is not my standard, then anything after that is just going to, it's privy to change. It's going to just wash away really easily the moment, you know, a challenge comes in. No, I, I completely agree. And, and, and I think, Steve, your point is, is absolutely, you know, essential that we're understanding who we're talking to, that we're appreciating, you know, the, the story that they're coming from and the challenges that they've encountered but making sure that we've got a solid foundation that that we are uh that we've got that love for the lord down yeah and that we are participating in his kingdom you know and I, again just kind of thinking of that idea right which which table am i sitting at here mm-hmm. you know especially if if we understand that this world is uh a world full of spiritual forces and there's more than there's more going on here than just a a logical argument for god's existence right yeah and you know the challenges that are that are going on in people's hearts and minds, of course. And and then what what does apologetics look like in that? Because I remember we just had a, a, a an interview recently with Nicole, and she said, you know, how how did she come to the Lord? Well, she came to the Lord because she heard that she already knew she had already been encountering spiritual forces, right? But she heard that there's this Jesus character, and yeah. he he has power over the the spiritual forces. Right. And I think it's interesting because that mm-hmm. was the thing that was really of interest in the first century, too. They're like, man, this Jesus guy, like these these demonic people are bowing their knee yeah. at, at this Jesus. And so for her, that that really attracted her to Jesus going, wow, he he's got power over what's going on mm-hmm. uh, in in this part that I, I in this part of my life. I really need help. And I think that affords us a unique opportunity to be encouraged to be bold in the time that we're living in. I think we shy away from not wanting to sound like uh, wackadoo Christians. And sometimes we do need to be encouraged not to sound like wackadoo Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and, but I think, I think in an age, and especially if we know we're talking with someone who's very open to the spiritual forces being real, speaking into the life of that person and saying, hey, you know, you don't want to mess around with things. And explaining how Jesus has overcome a lot of those things that 
can lead to some very dark places. And even a, like referencing things like, you know, what the the Exorcist or some of those horror movies, like there's a reason why those things are tied mm. to things that are very dark and very scary. Well, there's a reason why those movies are popular. Yeah. There's a reason why this sort of content's being created. There's a lot of people consuming it. And that we can't we can't be naive about, but we also uh, can't be afraid of. So, it's, by the way, can you also define wackadoo? I you lost. Uh, <laughs> well, a Webster's Dictionary says that wackadoo. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, here's another interesting uh, kind of a weird factoid, not to derail the conversation that much. But when I was in seminary, I was a research assistant for a uh, professor of religion, and. Part of his class was that he he was just very well connected and he would Skype call an individual from a religious perspective and the class would just sit and talk with them. And one time we were doing a lesson on Satanism and he happened to know Peter Gilmore, the high priest of the Church of Satan. And so he was late for class. So he texted me and he said, hey, Wes, here's Peter Gilmore's number. Can you save it in your phone? And Pardon can me? <laughs> you go to the class and start the, the Skype call before anyone gets there? So I, to this day, I mean, I don't know if it's still his number, but I have Peter Gilmore, the head the high priest of the Church of Satan in my contact. 1-800-666-666. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And I had this like very strange 20-minute conversation of opening this Skype call with just Peter Gilmore and I and being like, hey, how you doing? He's got like this like creepy, you know, I mean, it was it was very sensational, right? Yeah. Like he, he kind of played it up. He lives in this Victorian house in California that's all painted black and he had like a skull on his mantelpiece in the background and it was very like sensationalistic, but Oh, sweet skull, man. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah but I have the uh, high priest of the Church of Satan in my contacts. Well, in case anybody wanted to give him a call. <laughs> well, like maybe now we could go even a little bit more practical because I'm sure there's parents listening. I'm sure there's just people now who are like, see, I've been feeling this and now I'm convicted. What on earth do I watch? And how do I know if I'm opening myself up to things that I shouldn't be watching or engaging in? Because now I feel like I can't watch TV and I can't listen to music. What do I do now? The there, I think there is an important piece to this that I often will joke about where I'll talk about that I got to, that, you know, you, I even joked about it, you know, with you guys where I'll talk about, oh, I just got to, I got to protect my soul from that sort of, mm -hmm. sort of thing. Right. But, I, but that I, although I'll say that jokingly, there's some truth there, <laughs> yeah, for right? Sure. Like, no, I can't, I don't, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to participate in that because I got to, I got to protect my soul here. I got to, I got to protect the integrity of, of who I am. And my relationship with the Lord. I think we need to not be, not be ignorant of a lot of these things and be very honest with how much our level of toleration for these types of things is. And honest in the sense of, okay, what is the purpose of why we are looking into said subject? Is it because we want to go about sort of the inoculation process, get a little bit in so that we know what we're dealing with, and then we can kind of fight against it without, you know, getting the whole disease. Um, and there's a lot of value and uh, wisdom in that. But if our motivation for looking into these things kind of airs into something that is, uh, we're more interested than we should be, like you were saying before, uh, that takes a lot of self-reflection. On that note, there's a TV show Maybe I've mentioned it on the podcast. It's a new one out by Disney called Little Demon. 
And we could give you lots of these examples, by yeah. the way, of popular shows that are going on right now. But that, that's an interesting example. So for me, I'm like, well, I need to understand what's going on here. So I watched a couple trailers on yep. this just to just so that I could at least understand what's happening in culture and at some level can speak into it. But I can tell you right now, I'm not going to binge watch Little Demons because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I got to protect my my relationship with the Lord. And on that note, by the way, too, I think it's important that we also don't give too much power to these things that we need to remember. Because that's what I always was would be concerned with with people, where they'd be like, man, the way you talk about that, you th- it sounds like you see that thing as being more powerful than the Lord, right? So like, uh, for me, I, I want to always, I want to respect my relationship with the Lord when I'm looking at these things or what, what's with what's going on and being culturally aware, but not not in some sort of fear that these things are more powerful uh, than the Lord. Yeah, no, I think I think that's true. I mean, I come back to that um, quotation from the Screwtape Letters, right? Avoid those two extreme extreme mistakes. Like, don't give too much power to. You know, don't see the demon behind every bush. Um, but then you know, don't discredit them too much, as if they don't, don't be exist. naive. Don't be naive because they they do exist, and they and and this is the scary part, right? Quote unquote, scary part is they're interested in you. Right? Just be realistic about it. They're actually interested in your life. They're interested in the life of your children. But take heart, right? He who is in you is more powerful than he who is in the world. Well, because it's interesting to say that because we, uh, like a year ago, we had uh, a lady reach out to us and she had just gotten to this point where culture had just overwhelmed her. Uh, and she just needed somebody to talk to. And it, uh, we had this conversation with her because she she just gotten to this point where the world had overwhelmed her. Right. Like, and I think a lot of people can get so overwhelmed by the news, by what's going on, the latest TV show, Little Demon, whatever it might be. Right. That, that you're like, man, I like, you just want to give up. Like, you're just like, Lord, Lord Jesus, come sort of idea. But I, I can't help but feel like in those moments where people, what maybe, you know, what you've really done is forgotten who's in control, who's actually in control here. Well, I think for parents, one of the things uh, that maybe we can encourage them with is there's the idiom, you know, you need to teach people how to think rather than what to think. But for kids, you do need to teach them what to think before you can teach them how yeah. to think. Yeah. They need to know the categories. And so it's it's not inappropriate for you to set those boundaries and make sure that they're being safeguarded without being put in a bubble that's, you know, when they do get introduced to those things outside of your kind of oversight, they're going to be completely uh, caught off guard. But we do need to make sure that, uh, we are following Philippians 4, 8 when it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable. If there is any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And those things can include making sure your children know that there are dangers out there. You know, it's not it's not uh, being good to your children to... Uh, n- have them not know that running out into the road is going to hurt them and just say, don't do it. You know, they need to know what the danger is and they need to know that they shouldn't do that thing or. And having, having that conversation with them. So maybe there's something that they want to watch. Maybe you watch the trailer with them. You're active in it with them. Yeah, but you're active. And then you're like, depending upon what it is, you know, 
maybe it's something that you watch. Maybe it's not something that you watch, right? You're the parent. You got to make that choice. Mm -hmm. But walking with them and saying, because like there was a movie my son really wanted to watch that was called like Tag or something like that. But it was a really inappropriate movie. It was this adult movie where these these adults, from children on to adults had been playing Tag. And I just said to my son, like, first of all, it's rated R. And secondly, you know, I looked into that film, you know, and made the choice of like, hey, no, we're not going to watch that. That's not good for you to watch. But then walking them through there, going, explaining to them why we're not going to watch that. It was very hard for him to understand because the movie's called Tag, right? And uh, I love Tag. And that's one of the things that's, that's really challenging in our culture, that parent, you got to be really proactive. And this is, I'm speaking to myself here, that these trailers are not going to tell you all of the ideologies and all of the demonic stuff in the movie, right? They're going to sell you on watching whatever that is. And that's true of not just movies, but culture in general. Sometimes there's so much bait and switch, right? You watch 100%. the trailer and you think, oh, this is going to be about this thing. And then you watch it and there's all kinds of, you know, sometimes very much political agenda built into it or a spiritual agenda built into it. And like you feel cheated, quite honestly, watching that thing. One of the practices I've actually gotten into when consuming or choosing to consume something, whether it's whether it's music or it's a movie, is I actually will wait two weeks, like minimum. And so like, for example, Kendrick Lamar's new album had come out. And as someone who really appreciates music, I don't want my opinion of what I'm going to hear be based off of someone else's critique already. Because you'll hear someone and you're like, oh, this album sucks. And the amount of people that are just now they go into that pro listening to that music for this moment that they think sucked or, oh, it's not going to be that good. So you've already lowered your expectation. You've already lowered your own standard of what you enjoy to consume, but you're consuming someone else's opinion. And so it's the same thing with these, some of these movies. So for example, the movie, uh, what was it called? Red from Disney. Um, right. I saw, I saw a trailer. And I was like, oh, this looks kind of cool. It's based in Canada, based in Toronto, I, I believe. And I was really excited that Disney did something in Canada. But again, I waited two weeks. And if I hadn't waited two weeks, because I wanted to, I was, you know, maybe going to watch this with a riot. It looked fun. I'm hearing all the stuff that comes out about it. And because I've set that safeguard for myself, that I didn't even have to watch the film to, to get enough of a rounded opinion on it. There were some people that said, hey, this is good. They, they enjoyed it, but, and then there are other people that were just like, no, this was in it, this was in it, this was in it. And then from there, I'm able to, again, weigh my own convictions. Is this worth my time, really? Because I got to sift through all of this to try and enjoy something. Do I want to see it that bad? Well, and no. it's what, I think it also on that note, Troy, and this is just one thing that just requires wisdom as you're watching it. Like if take that movie, for example, I hadn't seen it, but somebody said, man, you should see what just the very beginning where this girl is, I think it's Korean, is talking about how important tradition is in, in her culture and, and all of this. But she says uh, in it, but she's like, but you need to be careful because, you know, it, basically what your parents think it isn't as important as what you think. Yeah. And it, you can take a look at the very beginning yep. what she says, but I mean, it puts that child in direct opposition uh, with her parents and that you're, you're the most. And that was the standard of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And gate. so- you have to then ask yourself, okay, do I, is that an ideology that I want my child to consume or, and, or, and maybe your child's at a point, like I think about, you know, your daughter, Steve, she'd probably be at a point where you could actually go, let's 
let's critique this together. Yeah. Right. I, because because oh, I, I I do think just sheltering your child and just trying to avoid these things, I I'm telling you, it won't work because right. culture doesn't stop. Right. And you you're gonna have to teach them how how to think. You're gonna have to teach them. I've been doing this a lot with my boys. Like, okay, let's let's watch this. L- look at what they're look at what they're doing here. You know, as they're making this this claim. Let's think through this together. We have a, a pastor friend. This was years ago, um, but I believe his daughter was like maybe around the age of 10. And we were at their house and um, she was watching Moana, the Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember sitting on the couch and she paused it and she turned to her dad and she went, Daddy, Daddy is this paganism? <laughs> 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 and he just goes, yes, honey, this is paganism. She's like, okay. And she turns it back <laughs> Just, Just so that I have it correct. Can you pass me my Fruit Loops, yeah, please? Yeah, she just like needed a frame of reference where she's like, this is, this is kind of weird. This is paganism? By, by the way, I've had this with, uh, with uh, Wes's son. I, I told him uh, at our retreat, I'm like, that I had seen an elephant. He's like, Really? Where? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> what does he say to you? Like, uh, with regards to that, he'll be like, uh, no, you know, elephants are on. Uh, he'll be like, no, elephants live in Africa and the jungles of India. Like, he's, <laughs> he's the. Pardon me, four year old. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, I'm like, dang, this boy guys his facts down. <laughs> assimilates all of his animal encyclopedia and is like, no, you're making a factual error about the geographical location of where this animal exists. Andy Steiger. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Carry on. I did have him though at one point because I said, you know, I saw a, a dolphin today. He's got all these animals on his shirt. You could clearly, and he's always playing with animals. I'm like, I saw a dolphin. He's like, really? Where did, you see, where did you see that? Because <laughs> we're in the mountains. It's always funny when, I, when, I, when we go out for walks. I'm like, we can see this. We can see this. We can see this. And he's like, no, daddy, those live in Madagascar. That is oh very gosh. far away from Toronto. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, you know, you're right. But I think what that testifies to is that we often sell kids short as to really Absolutely. what they can understand and assimilate. Because if my son can tell me that a cone snail has a venomous harpoon that it shoots <laughs> in order to be predatory towards other animals – then when I see these things in the culture and I'm like, hey, Eli, let's sit down, let's talk about these things. I can, you know, at least to a certain degree, hold him to account. And and, and he's that, four, right? Yeah, he'll turn four next week. Well, next, he'll so be he, four by the okay. time this podcast comes out. Okay, so he's three currently. Whoa! Uh, yeah, actually this week, because we got here last week. So okay. he'll, be, he'll be four this week. Just so to put it into perspective for listeners, but I, I think that's such an important point. Yeah. And, and you know, really, uh, sometimes it doesn't take that much to, you know, just, yeah, to, sometimes it doesn't even take that much, right? So, for example, I remember sitting down with Maya and we're watching Frozen 2, like, as with all fathers of, you know, girls or whatever. I'm watching this with her. And there is a scene where she actually discovers what actually happened between uh, her people and the indigenous people of that land. Mm. Um, and there's this whole idea that water has memory kind of thing. And so in the form of all this like ice and snow and things like this, she's actually watching the past and she sees her grandfather, right? And, uh, you know, kind of he's scheming, right? One of the things he says is, you know, um, you know, these people, they do magic. And, and when they do magic, they think they're more powerful there. They think they're like, they are above everyone else kind of thing and Elsa very specifically says no that's that's fear and fear is what can't be trusted right not that these mm. people who do magic that can't be trusted fear is not what can't be trusted and all I had to said to Maya was is that true that's all it took 
right? Is it so then I followed up, is there the kind of fear that you need to have? That's all I asked. And so then she remembers it. Question. Right? She remembers that little conversation we had that took all of what? Maybe a minute. Yeah, I think we we're all basically saying it's being proactive, right? I, I, whether you're a parent or don't look at me like that, Wes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking at you like, but I'll stop. <laughs> you looked at me like I said something dumb and I'm like, no, oh no, man, no, no, here no. we go. <laughs> you're, but, you're good to go. But it, it's just, it's being proactive in whatever it is that you're involved in, what you're consuming. Don't just be a, a blank canvas for for culture and entertainment. You know, there there is a level of it where, yeah, the Lord has given us good things to enjoy and to appreciate, but not without, a, with a blindness to it. You know, and I think it's a lot like you, you said, um, as your relationship with with your daughter and with your children, the Lord is also get, inviting us into that as we consume things. Like, is that I, I I feel the Lord almost being like, hey, is that true? Look at the way the world sees me. Is that how you see me? And that's a very important way to look at the way we we are like we're talking a lot about Netflix and movies and things like that, but even conversations with people. Right, we have some relationships where, where I think you need to have a fine line. I'm not saying you can't have non-Christian friends, but l- actively listen, actively don't just consume what they're saying. Like, oh yeah, I guess that's your worldview. Well, if you're not willing to, if you're in a relationship with someone, you've already been given that 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 authority to a certain degree to challenge some of the things that are being said that are being heard. And I think this is what leads so many people into. Uh, uh, an unhealthy deconstruction, as we've talked about a lot this year, because people are just, they're so afraid to ask the hard questions and maybe shift their their perspective. But again, if the word of God is your standard, then you don't have to walk in an unnecessary fear. But there's so much we could we could share about this. And especially the fact that we're all in the room together. This just feels like a sitting over lunch, quite honestly. And uh, I'm super grateful for um, every every one of you guys and just getting to be in the room and really just talk is a very special thing, but we do got to wrap this up. And uh, so hopefully in some way, shape or form, we could do this again, maybe not a year from now, but again, at least a year from now, you'll we'll all be together. Well, we in got a room. ETS coming up pretty We quickly. do, we do. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode where the four of us got to sit down together. As always, make sure to like and subscribe and interact with us online. But until next time, love God, love people. Bye for now.